The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the show socially distanced. Well, actually, you're probably not listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine because this is part of the special podcast catalog of socially distanced. Uh, because, as we've explained on the show before, we are getting preempted by college basketball through a lot of this season. So, this is an episode that will not be airing on the radio, at least not for the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll upload it as a as a rerun one week when we're feeling lazy, which is very unlike us. But uh, should that should that uh, crazy turn of character happen, then maybe you'll hear this on the radio. So if you are listening to this in Radio Land in the future, hello. I hope you're doing well. Um, I uh, I hope uh, civilization still exists. I, who knows? Podcast people don't listen to this. Radio people, hello. Yeah, <laughs> we need to have like a we need to have like a little chime to let people know when to plug their ears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, uh, no, that's that's tomfoolery, and we're not we're not ones for tomfoolery. Um, not on this show. We run a tight ship here. Uh, so we are, we, we, I think we're a little rusty. It's been a couple weeks since we've done a show. So we're going to do our best to sort of, you know, stretch those hammies, get back into the swing of things. Um, I haven't even really introduced either of us yet. I should probably do that. We're a minute and a half into this. Uh, hence the rustiness. My name is Paxton, one of your two uh, hosts. With me as uh, always is my co-host. Justin, the other co-host, the other person who hosts Socially Distanced, the other host is me, Cusco's Poison, the poison for Cusco, the poison designed specially to kill Cusco. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> this is Justin. There are many like him, but this one is his. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, the first half of this show, we usually talk about goings-on in the realms of pop culture, usually video games, but sometimes other pop culture, but this week it's video games, um, and we are going to discuss the last two weeks of uh, uh, industry pressers, I guess is what we'll call them. There have been a lot of announcements from two of the big titans of the game industry, Nintendo and Sony, uh, very few of them exciting. We're going to talk about them anyway. Um, so last week there was the Nintendo direct, uh, their little 
conference for revealing all the stuff they're working on right now that they are willing to show us. And then this week was the Sony State of Play, which I did not watch, but I believe you at least saw some of it, right, Justin? I watched a little bit of it. I basically saw Returnal and there was some Final Fantasy stuff. Also, Crash Bandicoot. There you go. There's your update. Tell me about Nintendo Direct now, Paxton. <laughs> um, I, there's not much more to say than that either. Uh, I get so I watched it because look, Nintendo Directs pretty much never cease to disappoint. Um, it, it, like it is just every time you find out they're porting the new hotness indie game of the week, and they tell you that they're making a uh, a uh, an arms spinoff or something, and you're like, okay. I guess arms will be kind of cool. Sure. Um, and that's, that's usually about the extent of it, but I really had hope this time. I really had my fingers crossed because lots of stuff supposedly in development. You got Metroid prime four, you got rumors of a 3d Zelda collection. You got rumor. Uh, you have the confirmation of breath of the wild too, which personally I wasn't that hyped about. I've just am not, I couldn't get into Breath of the Wild for whatever reason. That's another conversation for another day. I recognize that it's an incredible game. It just never did anything for me. Um, and, you know, there's also, who knows, maybe Star Fox. Who, who knows what could have been dropped? Uh, we got none of that. Um, what we did get was an announcement for the new Smash character. It's not Doom Guy. It's not Travis Touchdown. It's, and this is an exciting one, so hold your breath. <gasps> Two characters I don't know from Xenoblade Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, man! I'm I'm glad I didn't know that. That was more disappointing than I could have hoped for. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and, and that's how they opened the show. Granted, Nintendo has really sort of shifted their their new drops of uh, of uh, Smash characters. Um, it's been geared primarily towards Japanese audiences, um, which is fair. You know, they're a Japanese company. It's it's to be expected. See a lot of Fire Emblem, a lot of Xenoblade, whatever. But it's uh, throw us a bone. We need more than Banjo Kazooie. Give us one other thing. Come on, man. Like we're your second largest consumers. I think is Minecraft Steve not enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> that's true no no one can please me like minecraft steve can and i need to i need to um i need to give him credit where credit's due but uh yeah i i, I don't know i i had i had high hopes that there would be someone a little more interesting i've been holding out for skull kid i've really wanted skull kid in this for a while it wasn't you know the highest of expectations if anything i could see it be more a, a me fighter costume but I was I was hopeful. No, I, I don't even know these characters' names. I should look those up. Um, who are they? They're Rarth and Moy. Yes, you know those classic characters that everyone loves. Um, so that's happening. Uh, you know, you had you had ports of Fall Guys, like I said, the new indie hotness, a port of Outer Wilds, which that I am excited about. Because I never played Outer Wilds, and I heard incredible things. Um, it's good. That's yeah. a, that that's that's good video games right there. All I know is I won't say it, but I do know that the trailer very casually opens with a gigantic spoiler about the game. Like, 
there's a massive gimmick to the game that is sort of meant to be a like a hidden oh. thing. It's like the game's core gimmick, but you're not supposed to know it right away. And it's supposed to come at you by surprise. And the the direct trailer just immediately tells you what that thing is right out of the gates. And yeah. I have been so blind to it intentionally because I was oh, trying to play the game for that's, myself. That's, and I was like, that's a shame. And it just literally opened with like, because the, the, the direct trailers, you know, they aren't often like clean top to bottom like trailers it's usually like outer outer wilds is coming to the switch here's what you can expect and like narration explain and so like it is just explicitly telling you again i'm not gonna for people listening who haven't seen the teaser but like explicitly telling you the big thing in the first five seconds and i was like oh cool great still gonna play it but yeah i mean that must be in a weird way that has to be relief for like that marketing team. Cause I know that like the part, like the ethos of like the marketing for that game when it like originally came out was like, well, we can't tell people the big thing about how this game works. Like, you know, we can't spoil that. Like that needs to be like, because having that in like the marketing salvo would be kind of like antithetical to like what the experience of the game is like trying to be. But I remember like I watched like the the no clip documentary about that. And they were just kind of like, yeah, no, we kind of didn't know what like what to tell people about this game. Yeah. Then how do you gauge interest? So, yeah. So like, you know, it, it being out for like at least like two years now, like something like, uh, that, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like that was be like, OK, yeah, now we can just, you know, now we can really sell the people on this. We can really sell that Nintendo audience on this thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's cool. That's always like I never like one of those things that whenever there's like an indie announcement on a switch like i don't own a switch you know what i do own a pc so i play all my indie games on that there you go and i just kind of go well i don't know like there, there's something very and and this is something that i was sort of feeling about the state of play we can get into this more later if it makes sense to or we could talk about it now but like there's this way that the um nintendo's marketing and sony's to a certain extent like always feels like very much like a closed system like it's this very kind of like classical um logic of like this is you know this is the platform like that's always like the kind of like the implicit like you know there is only this platform like we are addressing you as an audience as if you only own this thing and so like you know outer wilds coming to the switch like that matters for people who only own a switch and like and I and I've always found that a little I mean, I guess like not like that not that baffling. Cause I mean there are definitely plenty of people that probably only own a switch, you know, like a console is expensive. And you know, you get one, especially if you're, you know, someone under if if you're someone who doesn't have a job, I mean, you know, you basically have one and you're kind of stuck with it generally. So but I don't know, it's still just something like given the kind of like the way given the larger ecosystem of games and the sort of the move, I think like the slow move away from like exclusivity, there's just something about like watching the, some of these things where I just go like, this feels very old fashioned and it's um, in it. And it's kind of like in the underlying assumptions, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, but I also think like, like Outer Wilds is on PS4. I'm in a position where I can get Outer Wilds anytime and have been able to get Outer Wilds anytime. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you know time and money. Like that's that's the long and short of it. Um, but but uh, uh, 
you know, I've got a P I have a PC as well, but it's a $600 work PC uh, with 250 gigs of storage. So, I mean, at the most I play like indie pixel art games on here. And that's, a, that's about as much as this thing can handle. Like the kingdom games are about really where this, this console taps, uh, this, this PC taps out. Um, not going to get GTA five or crisis running on here anytime soon. Uh, so Outer Wilds is probably a bit too much for it, given the scale of that game. Um, yeah. But so, but I'm saying, like, let's say you're someone like me who does or doesn't have a PC or doesn't have a PC of a high enough quality to run these things. Maybe owns one console outside of that. A lot of people are going to own Switches. I know, I know a lot of people who just own a Switch. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I think it's a fair thing to hype up personally. I don't see, I don't see any problems with that myself i I guess like well no i don't know um i mean i don't know like like it's like like, i mean i I guess i just want to make clear like it's cool like it's good you know like things should be available on all platforms basically is my you know like i don't really care about like i don't care about exclusivity nor do i like you know think that like there is one kind of like preferred you know system um like the you know, as much as people hate to admit this, like, you know, the PC as a platform has, you know, myriad weaknesses, um, yeah. but this is not the time or place to go into, but like, yeah, no. So, I mean, like, it is a good thing and it's like, cool. It's just sort of like, I don't know. There's this association that like um, I have with like the Nintendo Switch is kind of like, yeah, you know, it's the thing that that, that the Nintendo games come out on, you know, and we all know what those are. Um and then it's like and it's the indie platform Mm -hmm. too and like that's the sort of association that i that's like a little more confusing to me and i wonder is there and i always wonder like is there some kind of um overlap of like people you know like do people just want to play indie games on the go is there some kind of like way that like a phone game logic is being kind of applied to these things because they are smaller and also generally like you know don't take as much processing power as like, you know, a GTA or a crisis or whatever. I mean, yeah, I think that is partly it. Like I, cause I, I mean, an indie game does in many cases, certainly not always, but in many cases it lends itself to a more pick up and play kind of, uh, kind of uh, style. Um, yeah. And so like when you can literally pick up and play, like I love taking my switch on a plane, even though the battery lasts an hour and a half, like it's still a good percentage out of a flight that like has gone into the, the, the I, I don't know, Nidhogg or whatever. Like, uh, yeah. like that is, that's a, that's a great thing. I, 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 I really love that about the switch. I think, I think the switch, despite Nintendo being incredibly frustrating with how they roll out their catalog, um still has so much going for it the switch is the console that like i will i will pick up and play the hell out of for two or three months and then it'll sit and collect dust for the next eight or nine and like that's kind of been the cycle of my owning a switch um but uh it's a cycle i'm a fan of i I got no problems (laughs) with it um but and also like i love having the switch so i can like i'm going to bed and like, you know, I don't want to like have the TV on or anything. Or I don't want to do like a big cumbersome laptop and headphones. Just take the switch, 
put some headphones in there and watch Hulu. Like, it was nice. It was nice. Watch a little King of a Hill before bed. It's great. On like a screen that is bigger than my phone, but not gigantic. You know, that's something I can, uh, I can get behind that. Um, I will say moving on though, to the, probably the most frustrating reveal of the, of the night was, uh, uh, when they were like they were like we have a few exciting announcements to make about the legend of zelda franchise and then they like they do like a transitionary whoosh and they cut to eiji onuma the producer of, of uh, the zelda franchise and he's just like hello everyone you probably saw my face and thought we had some announcements about the breath of the wild 2 to show you unfortunately just like, as soon as he said that i was like oh okay he's about to follow this up with unfortunately Unfortunately, uh, uh, we we do not have anything prepared that we can show you right now. You'll just have to wait a little longer. However, we do have something for you. This classic 3D Zelda title will be coming to the Switch. And they said that, and I was like, okay, so no collection, but classic 3D Zelda title. We could get those uh, 3DS ports of Ocarina or Majora. We could get the Wii U uh, remaster of, of Wind Waker, which I have been dying to play since it came out because I'm a person and own a, didn't own a Wii U. Um, even Twilight Princess. Like, what's that? So, so you're most people. Them. yeah exactly yeah um even twilight princess a game you know that's sort of one of the more black sheepy games in the franchise in the franchise I, I still quite like it i would have been okay with any of those and then they were they they cut to the trailer and it opens on a shot of the skies and i immediately knew what that meant and i was like no 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 don't show the birds and then the birds flew by and i was like no <laughs> and they gave us they're giving us skyward sword oh. putting skyward sword to the switch it granted uh not breath of the wild um skyward sword has its defenders out there they're freaks and i want nothing to do with those with those troglodytes but they're out there um but but uh, uh if you're a breath of the wild defender listening to this i love you don't stop listening to this show you're one of the good ones um and you're right you're the only one that's right um but uh uh yeah it was it was just the air just fell out of my body. It was the one point of the entire show. Cause that was near the end of the show too, where I actually started to feel some optimism. I started to be like, Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Never mind. Um, and then finally, finally, the end of the show, I, there's a lot of stuff in between. It's more just kind of filler. They're, they're, they're uh, remastering and porting Ninja Gaidens one through three, which I mean, three doesn't really matter, but one and two, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that, that's a cool thing. That was like a oh, neat kind of thing. They're porting Fall Guys, which, you know, I never played Fall Guys, but there's a big audience for that. So that's all right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but then the final thing, they're like, uh, they're like, all right, that was a Nintendo Direct. We hope you enjoyed yourself. But before they did the, you know, but before we go, we have one more thing to show you, gimmick. And they faded to black. And my hope was at this point, my hopes have been stomped on repeatedly throughout this show. But I was like, maybe, maybe it'll be Metroid Prime 4. Maybe it'll be Metroid Prime 4. And then they open on one of the, uh, uh, I always want to call them the Squidbillies or the Psychonauts, but neither of those are tr- are accurate. The Squid Kids with the ink guns, People right? Yeah, the games. the the Splatoonites, I believe. Splatoonites, yes. That is Opens not what a, they're called, but it is Splatoon. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, but <laughs> it opens on a Splatoon character, and I was like, 
you know, there are people who really love Splatoon. Oh, they're great games from what I hear, and I don't doubt that they're great games. But come on, man. You announced Metroid Prime 4 three or four years ago. It's time to give up the goods. Start. They never said the game was canceled, which knowing how the industry works, that doesn't necessarily mean the game is not canceled. Um, This could be our new Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh, aside from the actual beyond good and evil 2 well yeah no i mean no beyond good and evil 2 exists it's just it's a grift like that anyway the whole point is that it doesn't exist the whole point is that they, they came up with a project and they're just like hey we're never gonna make this um but anyway that's that's neither here nor there uh yeah okay um splatoon 3 i'm sure um, they're good they looked fun i was watching and i was like oh neat okay I don't think this is what anyone was like holding. Eh, I was sure there was a collection of people holding their breath for it. But Splatoon 2 came out, what, like three years ago? It, probably way longer. I don't know. Was, time makes no sense. No, I mean, yeah. Like, I was going to it feels like it came out earlier than that, but also like later than that. I don't know. I never, I never got into Splatoon. Uh, it seemed fine. 2017, okay, that was Splatoon 2. Yeah, about three years ago, which is, you know, here's the thing. Most franchises, that's a reasonable amount of time between sequels. That's that's adequate. That's fair. Nintendo, though, their priorities for what they give sequels to in a timely fashion and what they don't is just so bass backwards. Like, there's probably some, I mean, again, Splatoon's a huge franchise for them, and it's going to make quadruple whatever Metroid Prime 4 likely makes. So I get it. But come on, man. Just give us the goods. Just at least remind us that you're making it. Give us a logo. Give us something. But no, no, none of that. None of that. They didn't even acknowledge that it existed. And, like, you know, it's funny. I hear myself talk about this for the last 20-some-odd minutes, and I think about our conversation we had like last fall about the entitlement of gamers and like, (laughs) and like their reactions to announcements and like the pettiness that they react to and the, like the spoiled poutiness. And I was, I was grandstanding during that conversation. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's just video games guys. And now here I am and I've become my own worst enemy, but I can't help it, man. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, see, the thing is when, when the world keeps getting worse, there's less and less to look forward to. <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> suddenly them game announcements just hit different. Those, um, the adventures of Samus Aran are really what keep me going. <laughs> <sighs> well, at least you can always play as Samus and Smash Bros alongside two new characters from fire emblem roy and koi or whatever xenoblade chronicles no no we don't need any more i mean, I mean it would be nice to have more fire fire emblem characters but i think nine is plenty <laughs> you know i think wow. we can settle for nine i don't know if it's nine it might be more like it might be more like six it's that's more still, than five that's that's a lot <laughs> it's more than five um, that's uh and they all play more or less the same half of them are clones of the others okay here's a genuine question that'll probably whatever no 
What I I don't know these things about Smash. Is Waluigi in Smash yet? Waluigi is still not in Smash. He Are is, you uh, kidding he's me? He's an assistance trophy because Nintendo hates Waluigi. They don't like that he's a meme. They are they very much want they want Waluigi erasure, but he's necessary for their sports and cart titles to have an antithesis to Mario and Luigi. So they keep him around, but they hate him. <laughs> they want him, See, which is why his assist trophy too attacks people with a tennis racket. They're like, you play sports, and that is all you do. You, <laughs> we. He also parties. I mean, come on. He does party. Waluigi parties, dude. Yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah, a little that action, you know. Uh, catch, catch Waluigi <laughs> in the <laughs> catch Waluigi backstage at the belly room back in the days with uh, with Sam Kinison. Oh my god. Oh, you have no idea. Um, these are weird niche jokes, but doesn't matter. Um, this whole show is weird and niche. None of it matters. Um, yeah, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the show, in fact, does not matter. Um, uh, anyway, also, we have like two minutes left. But real quick, oh, what happened at State yeah. Play? Was okay, Final so uh, there was Final Fantasy. There was Returnal, a game with like a game that I remember seeing an ad for and it like looked cool and moody. And then I watched like 20 seconds of the, of the footage that they showed. And it was just like, yeah, this looks like control the, 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 the remedy. Yeah. The, the, the game from the Alan Wake and original yeah, Max Payne people. Remedy. Yeah. Re- remedy. Yeah. Um, it, like it looked like that, but like worse. And I was like, Oh, cool. Now I don't care about this game with its incredibly dumb title um like returnal <laughs> and, and like and so one thing okay here here's what i'll say like whatever you know like there was a final fantasy there was like anyone who's listening to this would already know these things the main thing that i that got me was just that like the the format of basically just like people you know like devs like submitting videos and then having you know someone who worked on the thing kind of narrated it's just like always so it feels so lifeless just because like like the, like the guy that was like, you know, narrating the Returnal video was trying very hard to like, you know, be kind of like mysterious and, you know, you like you're, a, you know, you're investigating the signal and, and like they were roughly as convincing as I'm being right now, like reciting it. End of the day. Yeah. It's still a presser that is just advertising a game to you. And it's different yeah. from, it's different from a, a narrator being like one man. will but it's just literally telling you, here are the mechanics of the game and here's what you will do when you play it. It's like, yeah. drop the pretense. Just, just give it to us straight, man. Yeah. Like, like there was that one, like that one thing that was really trendy after GTA five came out where you basically just have like, you know, someone in a kind of like very like someone who is basically actually just like an actor who is performing the character of a marketer talking to you like narrating a thing do you remember that gta 5 ad that did kind of start with gta 5 didn't it yeah i mean yeah i I remember yeah and and like that the thing is like that's kind of a better way like if you're gonna do something like like that's kind of a better way to do it and that's why so many people did it for that's why nintendo does it that way yeah yeah nintendo goes very straightforward with it yeah and so yeah i don't know it was just kind of like you know like there there were a couple platformy type things like some character action sort of stuff it looked all right you know like it's like hey the, it was basically just like hey the playstation 5 exists hey can you purchase a playstation 5 no <laughs> no. no you cannot no like that's like that's really like we're talking you know uh, we're, let's just lean into the nihilism here like 
if you want to talk about things not mattering, just like thinking about like the fact that like basically a, like the new consoles, like any new kind of like game playing unit at all is basically impossible to buy at this point. And just like watching like a presser about this thing that's like advertising a bunch of games for a console that is just so incredibly hard to come by because of like current events. Like it, it, I was just, I had this like real moment of just like, why is this happening? It, what is the, what is the resource that, that there's like a massively short supply on, which is why these roll out of these consoles oh, is so bad. Oh, I don't, I, it's a specific uh, resource. But like, I think you want to go even further on this. Um, the fact that the president of the United States just signed an executive order like two days ago to launch a hundred day investigation onto what is going on with said resource. Um, I mean, yeah, Joe Biden's a gamer, man. Joe, Joe Biden's a, a, a elite gamer. Got gamer in chief. Got an Animal Crossing Island. Uh, play, beat his son at Mar- or his daughter at Mario Kart. You know, he's, he's elite. He's elite. <sighs> Finally. Joe Biden, the first president bold enough to say we live in a society. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about the Justice Oh, my. We didn't even think about the Justice League. No. Oh, 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 no. no. We'll, we'll, we'll save we'll, that for when that comes out. I we'll guess. have to table that one. Oh, oh. That was okay. I will have to say we're running way over time, but this is a podcast. It doesn't matter. We can we can ramble as long as we want. Um, but there's, I I was talking with friend of the show Issa Rashid about this uh, about this uh, trailer a few weeks ago um, when it first dropped, and we were talking about it. And like there is such a there's such a feeling of like okay obviously this line was put into the trailer and frankly probably put into the script because they knew exactly what they were doing this is such an obvious calculated thing i don't care it's still hilarious jared leto joker said we live in a society you can't i i I don't care if this was all like a very shallow marketing move it worked it was funny he said (laughs) we live in a society and that's good enough for me it was easily the best part of that trailer (laughs) Probably the only part of that trail that mattered. Uh, it's the only part of it I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. <sighs> I, I did watch it beginning to end, and that is the... So did I. Literally the only image I can remember from that trailer. <laughs> I'm sure Batman was in there somewhere with his Probably. Ben Affleck jaw. Oh, Ben Affleck. You know, I used to have... I'm sorry. Again, podcast. Doesn't matter. I used to have a... Uh, I, I made a Facebook page back when i was in middle school because it was in the day when it was back in the day when everyone was making facebook pages for everything all the time you would become a fan of of like just a quote from borat like that was that was all the page was just a really really good place for internet culture it was the the peak of it all um and i made a page that was a it was a i think this is like a pretty base move for middle school packs and i'd still like look back at like seventh grade backs and we're doing this and be like nice man um it was a it was an appreciation page for ben affleck's jawline <laughs> that's not bad that's yeah, pretty good yeah that man has an amazing jaw like say what you will about him one way or the other that is a, that is a that is sculpted from marvel um yeah yeah, and I I actually updated it pretty regularly. I like kept it a like a pretty consistent fan page. It might still be up there. I don't know. Um, <sighs> ben Affleck's jaw. Look it up, I guess. 
uh okay now we should actually stop um because if we ever want to air this as a rerun editing is going to be a nightmare um okay all right we'll be back soon folks stay with us yep Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Socially Distanced. I am one of your co-hosts, Justin Kiever, and with me is my other co-host, the other co-host. I don't know. I feel like I don't own you in any way. Anyway, it's Paxton. Within the hour of this show, I I think um, we both earned the right to be possessive of one another because it's such a symbiotic relationship. In half an hour, if I start calling you my co-host or my justin or whatever my justin would be weird no matter the context but then it's in a pro pro but until this half hour is up i'm yours and you are mine baby um anyway that, that got weird um <laughs> yeah whatever it's, it's feast in the weast it's always weird it's always weird <laughs> uh man. so why don't you tell us, you know, you don't need to tell the audience what Feast in the Weast is about. Anyway, we, it's where we talk about the media we've been feasting on. There you go. That's it. That's what it is. Okay, so anyway, it's really simple, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty that. simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're just introducing Feast in the Weast. Um, so that's like the one radio thing that I'm sad at. Like we never lean into is just like always recapping what's happening. Like every like five minutes. Um <laughs> that was yeah i i was loving i i can't remember what it, it was it was during the um it was during the impeachment trial that i was leaning i was listening to npr um and in the middle of the first lawyers i don't know if you watched those opening statements at the beginning of the it was no. all it's all exactly what you thought it was but um the first lawyer goes on like it, basically to give a real nutshell he basically goes in and, and he's like yeah i have no defense to the opening statement um so i'm just gonna kind of wing it and like <laughs> speaks <laughs> off the cuff for like two hours and it's like wow. rambling nonsense and i actually was like kind of thinking i was like oh they didn't get giuliani on this maybe they got someone more competent i was like they maybe got someone less competent than rudy giuliani <laughs> to do this but anyway but like yeah he's in the middle of a speech and then the top of the hour comes up and they have to give the station id and there's a really funny thing that hear him be like look 
uh, Joe Biden won this election fair and square, but we don't know that there wasn't fraud. And, blah, and just like, and then just his voice slowly fading out and being like, "You're listening to NPR in Los Angeles. If you're just now joining us, we're uh, watching. We're listening to day one of the impeachment trial of Donald Trump." And blah blah blah. And it's just like fading out, like fading out his voice with this whispering voice hushed over it. There's something that was so beautifully comical about it. I can't quite put it into words, but it it hit it hit just right no that sounds i mean just contrast you know like the the humor of contrast um yeah there it is but also just like yeah no that's really funny also we should totally just do like an npr like we should just do an npr episode like we we were like we were like you know invented like thinking of like some potential future concept for at least an episode and we should just do like one where we just always sound like the whispery npr person (laughs) Yeah. I, so tell us about what you're feasting on this week, Justin. I, 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 hear, I hear you've uh, been playing um, been playing Hitman, the, the really celebrated IO franchise. Uh, yes, I have, in fact, been playing Hitman. So, yeah, I've been playing Hitman. Um, <laughs> whoa, and, um, we just went to Mortal whoa. Radio. Shock jocks. <laughs> uh, listen to me recite the alphabet while sitting on. I probably can't finish that joke. Um, Telling it like it is at seven in the morning. <laughs> that's really good um so yeah i'm okay so uh earlier i probably would have talked about this earlier had we not been uh getting preempted by uh the gentleman's game of uh basketball or actually is it is, or the really it's everyone's game it's for it's for everybody yeah exactly it's 2021 justin come on yeah that's that was Keep very up. that was very regressive of me um like unironically i feel bad about it anyway um it's yeah so whatever it's fine yeah no i was trying to, anyway um doesn't matter it gets worse the more you apologize for I know, it right yeah i'm pro- <laughs> probably just gonna cut that um so yeah i have been playing hitman uh yeah and well sp- specifically because hitman has been you know like all video game franchises has been going on for like 20 years or something mm-hmm. um I'm playing the new trilogy of Hitman games that basically started in 2016 and ended this year. Like the, say, so yeah, I was going to talk about this earlier. Uh, the, you know, had we not been getting preempted, but yeah, no, like the the last game of the of this like new trilogy of Hitman games came out earlier this month, I believe, or like late in January. I don't remember. And yeah, no, I had never actually finished uh, Hitman 2, so I just kind of took it upon myself to just sort of start from the beginning and just go. So I like really binged the new trilogy of Hitman games uh, over the course of, yeah, over the course of the last uh, month, basically. And yeah, um, they're really good. And there you go. All right, thanks. Uh, Yeah, no, so... Yeah, they're really excellent. I, I guess before I kind of dive in, you know, like I'll do what I always do and just kind of like ask Paxton, what do you know about Hitman generally and Hitman the new series specifically? Like what's your starting position with these things? So Hitman's a franchise that I've always known existed since the very early days, since I used to read my brother's copies of Game Pro back in like 2001. Um, so it's it's a franchise I've always like been very peripherally familiar with, and as I've gotten older, it's been more and more appealing to me. As I've gotten more into like the stealth genre, um, even games that aren't explicitly stealth games, and trying to play them like a stealth game anyway, because stealth is just fun to me, um, and uh, and you know enjoying games with. I guess Hitman doesn't have branching paths, but you have options of how you want to 
pursue your mission like that's a really interesting mechanic to me i also just love the cliche or not cliche i guess but the just the gimmick of um which i know we're actually going to get more into this in a minute but the gimmick of guy in exotic locale who needs to take down a villain like james bond indiana jones uh all of that i i just i love the i I love the i love the vibe i don't know uncharted um it's just a it's a it's a genre that i very much subscribe to so anytime i watch footage of hitman i'm like yeah this is this is a game for me i know there's some clunkers in there i know that like the whole i think about the franchise is like like a third of the games are incredible a third of the games are kind of mediocre and then a third of the games are virtually unplayable i know that's kind of the general assessment of it all um but it's always a game that when i watch footage from it especially the good ones i'm like i want to play that I want to play that right now. And then I talk to people about it who have played the games. And every time I get one of four answers, which is it's great. You should absolutely play it. It's bad. You should absolutely not play it. I don't really care for it, but you might like it. Or I love those games, but I don't really think you'd like it. Um, despite the fact that I like very clearly list, like this game has all the things on paper that I love. Like, how would I not love this game? And people are just kind of like, I I really don't think it would be your thing. Um, So, I mean, I really should just bite the bullet and try for myself and see if those people are right. But those games, you know, cost money and those games take time. And it's like, you know, if I want to pour that into a thing, that's ultimately going to be a bad investment. I'm, I'm hesitant. But I just don't, I don't know what to make of them because, again, as I said, everything on paper is so up my alley. And yet, so, apparently, it's not for me, according to some people. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not one to kind of – I'm not one to kind of like, you know, limit recommendations to, based on anyone's taste. Also, you know, ostensibly, I'm not only talking to you. I'm talking to the listener. Yeah. So, um, so basically just kind of like put a, try and put a pen on like what these games are like the Hitman series. Well, the Hitman series specifically like the new trilogy, um, which they've called, they've dubbed very silly, uh, in a very silly way, the, uh, world of assassination trilogy. Um, even though I think that very dumb title is kind of getting into a theme that I'll address uh, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, this new trilogy, um, they're basically, they are basically stealth action. They are stealth action adventure games, but not but stealth action slash adventure, like point and click adventure, mm-hmm. is almost the way I would describe it. Mm-hmm. Wherein more or less the the gist is, you know, you play as a you play as a bald man with a tattoo uh, of a barcode on the back of his head. Uh, who is very good at assassinating people for some reason. And the overarching plot kind of entails digging into this man's past and figuring out why exactly he's so good at this. And then that's also kind of a, and then that uh, is intertwined with a conspiracy plot about basically, basically about like the Illuminati controlling the world. But the thing is, and that sounds very dumb and it is, <laughs> but, but that's kind of like just the, the real, like the general gist. And like, this is a, a series that is both that both is and is not interested in its main plot, like actually has surprisingly decent characters, including the bald tattooed man, weirdly enough, like one of the really kind of astounding things about 
the this new trilogy is that they take this like character who is conceived as being like a blank slate like which you know a lot of video game characters are conceived of as blank slates you know just like kind of like an empty canvas for you to project yourself onto while you do you know like violent nonsense but like his blank slateness is actually that feels very intentional. Like it feels like an actual aspect of a person rather than just kind of like an emptiness for you to project yourself onto. And like that works really well in this series. And um, it, which is definitely before we go further, um, maybe I'm wrong again, having not played these games, just kind of knowing what I know about them by way of discussion from other people. Um, Agent 47, this, this main character um he is supposed to be a clone am i right am i spoiling something or is he one uh, guy like that's what's, a what's you know he's um he's some kind of engineered thing like they're not really i mean they're probably he might be a clone or he might be a clone in like some version of this canon um like this but was like this new you, trilogy was a soft reboot more or less so are you playing as the same or i guess if it's a reboot they don't all take place in the same universe but like, is the idea that you're playing as the same Agent 47 in every single Hitman game? Uh, through Absolution, pretty much. Hmm. But I'll put it this way. So Absolution was the the real, like... Absolution was the failure that kind of, like, had to happen for this uh, trilogy to happen. Absolution came out in, like, 2011 or 2012, and it was, it was more like or less... 360 PS3 era, right? Yes, that yeah. would have been... Yeah, like this was in the cover shooter era of action game design and absolution. I've only played the first level of absolution and maybe I'd almost wish we would have, I we would have changed the order of this just because like absolution is a really interesting game um, because it's bad. Like, or at least what I played of it was like really unimpressive after playing the new trilogy. Um, But also, um, but also you can see the DNA, like really like you, you, the, the full DNA of like what like this new hit, like the new trilogy of Hitman games would be is there in Absolution. Like it's really wild. Like it's like not a matter of like the, there is no big mechanical overhaul between Hitman 2016 or between Hitman Absolution, and Hitman 2016. It is actually kind of like the same set of affordances you're given. It's all this matter of presentation and uh, like ethos and presentation and like level design. And mm-hmm. like, and like, kind of narrative too. Like, Hitman Absolution is very, um, it's very edgy. It, like, it's very kind of like it's it's honestly just sort of, um, it's just kind of trashy. Like, very As I kind of like. Where you like have to fight like sexy nuns or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's I the one that. with it's the one with sexy nuns. It's like the one where like you begin the game by, and this is how you know like the new ones a reboot. You begin the game by killing basically your old handler who is like you kill her while she's like taking a shower and you know like it showers the glass and she's like you know cover you know covered uh in a like you know in the uh like the by the shower curtain as she's like dying it's like it's very trashy mm-hmm. and like and even like there's something and like one of the and one thing is like they, they change 47's like facial features where like he's really kind of got this like very kind of like sharp like really kind of like stern face and absolution and in 2016 on they like they soften him a bit hmm. like they make him like he just looks like less of an evil murder machine and more like a kind of like just generically like moderate like generic moderately handsome white man with no with like with no hair Interesting. and yeah 
And it's interesting. And like, so basically, so the, the new trilogy to kind of like to really try to like dig into it, like it's, it's a weird thing, but basically like it's set up as you take different jobs working for this kind of like secret organization, the ICA, and you take these different assassination, assassination missions, each where, um, each with its own kind of like little mini narrative where, you know, someone has been wronged and they're basically paying, um, and they're paying this uh, organization that you work for, for to basically to get revenge more or less. Um, and like, we're like the, and the setup is pretty much always, you are going into this fancy locale to murder someone rich and powerful because this is the only way you can, this is the only way this person will be touched. Like they have wronged someone, they have murdered someone, they have, you know, they are planning something evil. They have done something evil in like the, in like the idea is always this secret organization. The ICA is the only thing that can touch these people. So you get sent in and then there, and then, yeah, like the overarching plot kind of happens around that. And yeah, and so like the actual gameplay is basically navigating these environments, changing into different costumes, and then using those costumes to like get into new areas. And it's a kind of thematically, it's a really like it's very goofy because like part of like it's one, it's a these games are funny. Like they have a sense of humor about this whole setup where like they kind of know it's ridiculous that this, you know, that this guy who never really who never really acts just kind of like, you know, he performs roles, but not that well. Um, right. And, but he can still kind of like, you know, uh, navigate his way through all of these spaces. And like, you know, as long as you know who to avoid, you can just kind of get into anywhere with the right costume. Despite but, the fact that like, he is designed to look as inconspicuous as possible. Like he looks weirdly conspicuous, no matter the disguise. Like, yeah. It's like weird. Yeah. But like, but they do like play with that a little bit where like, but also I think that it's in service of something really interesting thematically. So if you'll let me like do a quick dive into a little theory thing, like I think there, there's this kind of a, there's this idea, th th this theory that gets brought up in a lot of like uh, undergrad media studies classes. Like I learned it in undergrad media studies class. And it's this idea that's associated with someone who I think I've brought up on the show before, uh, Gilles Deleuze, who's a French theorist. Um, and it's like this idea of the control society. And Deleuze's theory, it's basically a theory of like, you know, living under techno capitalism, more or less, where like he basically Deleuze says like, you know, we are no longer individuals. We are now individuals. We have been separated from like our, in our individualness has been kind of blown apart. And now what we are in terms of like our relation to capital is we are a bunch of, uh, we are codes. We, we, you know, like we are numbers and the way this kind of work, like basically, yeah, like we are now like, you know, a collection of a bunch of different like codes and numbers and accounts. You know, and, and like that's, I, I think that's kind of true. I think we can understand the way, like the way in which this kind of like is true in our day to day. You know, like we have our Facebook accounts, our Twitter accounts, our, you know, all of our different emails, you know, our web, our, like think, think about like, you know, banking, you know, like your different account numbers and your passwords for your account numbers, you know, like your, your fingerprint becomes like an account thing. And so, and sort of like what he, um, there's this so uh so that's the way we're kind of like organized in this theory and the metaphor 
that Deleuze uses is this idea of, you know, now, you know, how we are controlled is basically it's imagine that we're all in one big building and there are a bunch of different like, you know, doors in the, like in this building and more or less like, you know, we can only our access and like, we have a key card that only opens certain doors. And like, this is like, you know, there are these little bits of, you know, this is how we access the world is kind of like, we have permission to get into certain places, but not others. And, and that it's kind of like the, it's like this, like the, this way of like, you know, thinking about like our relationship to like data and stuff. And, and again, it's just like, you know, I have a password that gets into like my Twitter account, my Facebook account, my Gmail, et cetera, et cetera. And someone else has their, all of their stuff. And that's kind of what's being described here. Hmm. Um, so Hitman in its kind of like its costume uh, and it's kind of like costume mechanic takes that idea and like literalizes it basically like it makes it like you know you are now where the world is basically a system of locked doors and your and your password your like you know your access key is looking the part and so what you're doing is you're basically navigating a world that is the system of data finding the right finding the right password to get into the right door and so it's this like imagination of basically the world as like literalizing this metaphor of like life and like as like data where like the world is data basically like that's that's that is this imagination you play as this little like node who kind of like you know bounces around through it and kind of like you know invades like you're sort of like charting paths through like all these spaces and it's like really um and that's kind of like the thing that this game ends up being about is like it's about this game ends up being about capital because like the it's conspiracy plot line like it's not just that like there's a bunch of random evil people who control the world it's a bunch there are a bunch of random evil people who control the world but they control the world by being deeply embedded within the upper echelons of society Mm -hmm. and like that's and like that up that like that kind of hierarchy exists independent of the conspiracy and you end up kind of like you know going to you go to all these like fancy places uh you know, because that that's where all the rich, powerful people hang out. And, you know, like you, and yeah, and it ends up being about like, how do you as a kind of like, how do you take on the costume of, basically, how do you take on the costume of the people who like aren't rich who are working in these places in order to kind of like navigate, to sort of like, you know, sneak your way in, you know, in plain sight and kind of like navigate these environments and uh you know inf- yeah how do you infiltrate these things you know as someone with quotidian access to them like to talk like in a sort of like slightly i don't know more abstract way about these games like that's what they're about hmm. and it's basically yeah like yeah it really is it's this game that's totally like literalizing like the di- like our digital condition of existence really a particular idea of what our digital condition is and you think that's that's an intentional that's an intentional choice by the people behind it. I, I mean, I think it's something they're really attuned to because like, I think they're, I mean, again, like, I don't know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, yeah, this one, this one game record, definitely, you know, like a professor told them this when they were like 19. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's possible. Like, um, but no, I think it's more like, you know, like the, the title screens for all these games or, you know, like it's the, it's like the network kind of map of the world where, you know, like you see a globe and there's like little, like, you know, 
dots kind of bouncing around it and hmm. you know it's like that suggestion of like you know that suggestion of like networked uh life of movement uh you know all throughout the globe and there's and yeah and, and i think like that combined with the fact that like there are like the way yeah i mean basically like the way this game kind of like treats it's like its characters its targets really is kind of like yeah as like little nodes within a kind of um within sort of like a network of like corruption like a net like a system basically and you're always kind of like plucking out basically like these assassinations are matters of like plucking out these figures within this network and kind of like destabilizing this sort of network um this conspiratorial network in different ways so yeah no i think it's i think it's intentional like i think it's really um yeah Uh, like i think that there's this goofy conspiracy story that is like also like really um that is really trying to talk about just sort of uh, it's trying to talk about power you know huh. in contemporary capitalism yeah um, i mean that's that's just why i ask is because i have such little familiarity with the franchise on a whole so it's like as far as what i know as an outsider looking in is like kind of goofy conspiracy story but even that i don't know particularly well so i that that's that's why i ask i was just curious i don't want to like steamroll you or anything while you're while you're ahead but like we've only got a few more minutes and i know you had an interesting uh uh like comparison you wanted to make between hitman here um and i'd like to at least at least uh graze the surface of that oh yeah so um so io basically uh the io the developers of hitman now have the james bond license and it makes perfect sense because like you know as the, the way you're describing hitman like yeah go to fancy locales and stuff like it's very like like these games especially the first one look like casino royale like daniel craig's casino royale which i actually just rewatched last night and let me tell you that movie does not hold up um yeah no it's okay so this point about capital sorry i'm gonna keep harping on that but like (laughs) it applies it applies yeah no so there is a there one of the like one of the scenes in casino royale you know is the uh lashif has hired a guy who's hired a guy to blow up a plane right and uh the whole point is that like basically blow up the plane and this company's stock price will fall and the will make a ton of money through shorting stocks, which we talked about. Uh, hey. Hey, um, but yeah. So bond has to save the plane. The thing is like, it's never established at any point, not until like there's a scene where there's just a bunch of people running away from the plane for whatever reason, like the motivation is never, oh, they're going to set off a bomb and kill a bunch of people. It's entirely about saving the plane. Like that's entirely how it's framed. And it's only implied like, you know, also also, like all these people, all these people will probably die too. And it's better that they don't. Um, But no, like really like the motivation there ends up just becoming like, yeah, like Bond is saving a stock price. (laughs) Like that's kind of the thing. And like, you know, he's like, he's a really awful, you know, like chauvinist pig, but that's been Bond. And they're like trying to say something about that i don't think they can entirely succeed in that film like kind of going back to it now but like because he still even in that film even though i know they kind of try and because uh, I, I remember I, i've seen the movie it's been a, a while but i i've seen it because i know he like develops a really serious strong relationship with eva green's character um and it's like she dies in the movie as i recall. yeah, yeah, she, di- yeah she, she dies she dies um it's an old movie it's fine. yeah and, um or and it's, it's like it does break him a little bit but he also doesn't he like sleep with like two other women in that movie too like isn't yeah. that still yeah 
Yeah, no, like he's he's not a he's not a nice man. And also, but also like the the Eva Green thing is kind of like that relationship developing into a romantic thing is not earned. And ultimately the film knows that because Evergreen's like playing him to like, you know, get the money to like pay back someone for like to pay back like the people that her actual, like, you know, lover is kind of like in, you know, in, in debt to, which I think is like the, the quantum group. Anyway, I don't remember the plot, the plots of those movies. We stopped, I stopped watching it before the, the scene where Evergreen died, to be honest, like got through the, watched most of it though. And yeah, no. So you have this, basically there's this way that like bond is just totally, you know, like, you know, he's, he's a government agent. He's an agent of the status quo. He is an, he's ultimately an agent of like, you know, the stock market at one point in this movie. And the thing that was like really astoundingly weird about playing Hitman was kind of going like, okay, yeah. So like the 2016 on like the new trilogy is kind of like, yeah, it's a James Bond trilogy. Like it just like, it looks like Casino Royale. Like it is the same kind of like, you know, you were playing as this sort of, as this guy who was infiltrating these space, these really nice spaces. And the pleasure is kind of like, is this dual, there's this dual pleasure of like getting to inhabit this incredibly, you know, fancy environment while also being kind of the odd man out within it. And the thing that was weird was like, I was watching Casino Royale going like, huh, okay. So I'm pretty sure the hitman in Hitman is a nicer per is a better person <laughs> like i mean i guess you, you can you know obviously make him do some really like terrible things but like the game like the way that the game wants you to just kind of you know be precise and in your sort of you know in your precision there is something that's like you know uh, there is that man ultimately cares about his friends and you know cares about like tearing down power like that is like where that that is where that story goes and that is not where bond ever goes and to know? be fair like yeah i mean there is obviously he spills a lot of blood and does some awful things to for for the quote unquote greater good but like so does bond like that's the thing they're both terrible murderers so like at least at least agent 47 is murdering to do good things like yeah no and, and like and he's you know he's not like you know like whatever he's an anti-hero like he's doing this because you know he's working for an association that's paying him but it's just like weird kind of like it's it's just weird because like i think it's because like 47 is very much billed as like you know for so long and in like you know in games like hitman absolution the earlier ones like he is just this kind of like you know vaguely almost evil anti-hero just like totally amoral and gross and in this one like he's amoral but like amoral but there's like this this tendency toward like a tendency towards something that's like almost morality like he does like he does ultimately come to care about the people that he works with and like it's yeah. a pretty convincing arc and and you know bond is a hero like that's the thing is and bond has always been a hero and like it was just this weird thing of like the it's like almost like these two franchises are kind of like tending toward an almost like moral equivalence in terms of how bad these people are but like one you know is coming from he's a like but one's kind of like starting point the hitman series is starting point is he's a bad man bonds he's james bond he's the iconic hero and like that for me, like it was this, 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 this weird kind of like totally, I don't know. It's, it was weird. And like, it leaves me really curious about what IO is going to doing is going to do with the bond license. Cause I think like, I would actually be really interested after what they do character wise with 47, like what they do with bond. It would be, that will be, yeah, that that's, 
that's an interesting take. I, I'd never really even just considered that about James Bond before. It's not a franchise that like I, I haven't seen half the Bond movies. As I said, it's more okay. like a trope that I'm more into than the actual like franchise it's, and the character itself. But I hadn't really considered that. And um, knowing now what I know about Hitman through this half hour of discussion, um, that definitely lends a lot more interesting perspective to it. I'm gonna have to try those games, man. I'm gonna have to. There's just like, I I I don't. I feel I really failed to grasp the arguments that I wouldn't like it, and maybe I'll play it and I'll understand. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, these are not for me." But I, I don't know. Everything I have heard, the only you've only sold me even harder in the last half hour. So I, yeah, they're they're really good, and like honestly, like they're adventure games, man. They're inventory puzzles. They are like that is they're inventory puzzles in beautiful environments with kind of like a nice sort of like action grounding. Like they're really the new ones are really accessible um yeah no like highly highly recommended yeah all right well uh this is probably where we should end the show um we've gone well over an hour but as we've established doesn't really matter this time around so that's an exciting little bonus for you podcast listeners um that is gonna do it for us this week i think we'll actually be back on the radio next week which is a thrilling announcement to make so you can stay tuned for that um and we will see y'all soon stay safe and stay healthy Yep. Bye, everybody. Take care.